Hello, hello, hello. This is Kelly. I'm Danielle. I'm Keely. And welcome to Aguda Murder Podcast, where you'll hear about sharp kills and cheesy thrills. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our newly founded podcast journey, Aguda Murder, where we talk about sharp kills and cheesy thrills. My name's Kelly, and of course, I'm joined here by my Swiss misses, Danielle and Keely. Say hello, ladies. Hey. Hello, hey. And uh, yeah, as you have previously heard on other episodes, we are going to be talking about some crime and cheese today. Um, we're circling back on to our Gouda cheese, so give you a little bit more information about that delicious creamy cheese as we once were, um, and talk about um, also some other Netherlands crimes murder mysteries great things unsolved um, yeah. unsolved yeah above. there you go there yeah. you go a little something unsolved keep you keep you wanting more but you can't um so yeah let's let's get this show on the road and uh take it away danielle hello hello my name's danielle i'm gonna be your host for this episode um i am of course joined by kelly and keely hello Hi. ladies um, so today I wanted to talk about uh, the unsolved disappearance of Natalie Holloway. She was an American woman that um, disappeared on the island of Aruba, which is actually one of the four countries that make up the Kingdom of the Netherlands. I'm not going to pronounce all of the countries, but Aruba is one of them. Um, it's actually an island in the Caribbean Sea. I personally don't like unsolved cases because, like, I need an ending. I need a conclusion. Yep. I need to see justice served. Like, I want to see the person behind bars. Yeah. Um, But this case is, like, really baffling to me. I didn't know a whole lot before I did research. Uh, So have you guys heard of the case of Natalie Holloway? No. no. Never? Hollow who? Holloway. A lot of people will pronounce it Holloway, but it's Holloway. It's H-O-W. H O L L O. Yeah. Halloway. But Hello. she's Hello. actually from the South. So. Oh. Okay. Well, um, just buckle up, I guess, and hold on because we're going to get into it. All right. I hope Fashion you're not. I hope you're as pissed off as me as on this episode because it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Ready? Right now I'm in a good mood. So. All right. Well, prepare to be in a shitty mood at the end of this. So. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. So picture this. I want you to close your eyes. Okay. Do it. Mm. All right. Scared. You're 18 years old. Right? You just graduated high school. Mm-hmm. You got plans to study pre-med. Yeah, okay? You have a great support group. Your family's amazing. You have plans uh, for an amazing future. You're Literally, your whole life is ahead of you. Okay? Wow. To celebrate your graduation, you embark um, on a senior trip to the beautiful Caribbean island of Aruba with 124 classmates. Oh, my gosh. I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but compared to me at 18, like, that, uh, I'm pretty jealous. I'm pretty jealous. So, um, like, all the band kids from my high school going to, like, Florida for a spring break. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even go. I didn't even go on that trip. I guess I just won't go on Playing at Disney or whatever. I ain't got $2,000 for that shit. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Pretty much. Pretty much. I sold all the chocolate bars and I still didn't go. I sold all the chocolate bars and I still didn't go. Wasted. Um, Side note, when I was a Girl Scout when I was younger, I sold 500 55 boxes of cookies one year and won an entire free summer camp. What? So uh, get on selling those cookies and uh, candies. Get all them thin Children, honestly. In the freezer, bust it. Oh my god, yes. I have a box at work. (sighs) Girl, the Simone. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. No, it is not. We got some work drama going on here. (laughs) 
don't even tell me that. No, because it was there last week. I saw it at lunch. You better I... not take her snacks away. <laughs> Kelly is serious. No, it's about her not. Like, that has my name on it too, bitch. Oh, somebody's yeah. going so to jail. Nine one one. Wow. All right, ladies, let's talk about our victim. Right, her name is Natalie Ann Holloway. Her name is actually spelled N A T A L E E, which Natalie. is I thought it's pretty cool, Natalie. Yeah. Like yeah, that. yeah, cute. this is pretty cute. She's beautiful. Um, she was born on October twenty first, nineteen eighty six, to her parents Beth and Dave Holloway. Uh, they later divorced, but like all accounts say that they both remained really active in their lives. Okay. Awesome. Um, good, good unit. Yes, very good family unit. Yep. Her mom remarried. Um, Natalie's stepfather was named George Jug Twitty. Oh. That was his nickname. Um, I believe he was a businessman in Alabama. They lived in Mountain Brook, Alabama. It's a small suburb outside of Birmingham. Um, I believe her father remarried too, but she was an honor roll student, 4.0. She actually got an eight-year scholarship, full ride to the University yeah. of Alabama. Oh my God. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, like I said, she planned to study pre-med. She had a plan. She was, I'm jealous. Um, That's really good. What a Midwest yeah. thing. Yeah. Shoot dang. Shoot dang. dang. Oh you can't see these. Folks who got finger guns coming in hot. Um, let's yeah. see. So she volunteered at a cancer center. She also helped uh, foreign exchange students adapt to life here in the U.S. She worked part-time at a local farmer's market. She attended church regularly and also went to Bible study. So oh, she sounded like a really... All-American Correct. She sounded like a good kid. She had a good head on her shoulders. Um, her uncle even called her naive and that she didn't party or date a lot. You know, she was... She's 18. Like, so yeah, like, honestly. How, how much do you want your 18-year-old to date anyway? Correct. Like, uh, not at all. Not, not at all. Especially much. with the future she had ahead of her. I think... Uh, even her. I think she was just like, I have a plan for my life. And yeah. Boys are gross anyway. Honestly. I'm sure she had a couple boyfriends but she didn't date a lot um so on may 24th 2005 she graduated from high school um and then she planned to join 124 other seniors and seven adult chaperones on a five-day trip to aruba from may 26th to may 30th only seven adults seven adult chaperones we'll talk about that a little bit later but uh, i think but what? again, these are all seniors that just graduated, so they're so all they're, over the age of eighteen. So they're all supposed to be adults. So they're, they're technically all, okay. all adults, okay. you know. And this is a—I think this is a trip that they did every year with the seniors. They like mm. stayed at the Holiday Inn Resort in Aruba, like that was their thing. Okay. Um. Okay. So, what like I said, again? Where, how I do I know. sign she, up? Right. I know. We just <laughs> went to like Florida for seniors? Disney. Like, how, how, how old do you have to be? Like, I know. How, I know. Old is too old. Honestly, um, like I said, she sounded like a well-rounded adult, so I'm sure her parents really didn't have any worries at all with right. her going to Aruba. Um, right. Plus, she was with all the other students. Um, I'm sure she was super excited, too. She literally had her whole life ahead of her and was just celebrating yeah. graduation, you know? Yeah. That's so cool. Honestly. Dun, dun. Yes. So, we'll go ahead and get into her senior trip, right? So, um, Natalie and the other recently graduated classmates, they arrived in Aruba on May 26, 2005, and they stayed at the Holiday Inn Resort. Like mm-hmm. I said, they did this every year. You know, they booked this resort. Um, there were seven chaperones, but they were literally just there to do a daily roll count. Like, oh, daily roll oh call, God. check in once a day, oh make sure you're God. alive. And how many students? 125, including Natalie. There's Natalie and 124 other students. So, what yeah, ever. yep, 100 percent crazy. It's not a class field trip. Of yeah, just, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're not just going to the museum here. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, um, students literally just had like full freedom. Like they. Um, yeah, they're 18 apparently. Yeah. Well, a mature adult, you can do that. Yeah. You should um, be able to uh, do that. The local drinking age was 18. <gasps> 
getting in drunk. Aruba. Um, and Natalie and her classmates this took like a disaster. full <laughs> advantage of it. Full Brain advantage. Wreck. Yep. Her and her classmates, well, her classmates, they said that their daily agenda consisted of staying out all day, hanging out at the beach, um, maybe there. take a nap, eat dinner, go out to the bars, come home whenever, repeat for the four it's or like five days out. that they were there. Literally just living it up, honestly. Living it up, like literally day drinking. Yeah. yeah. That, On the beach, in the sun, just when you were 18 and plastered. you started day drink and you fucking had to make it a, like a yep. hiding thing. Like, but no, you can Drinking four locos and rubbing alcohol vodka. Yeah. Oh my like God. <laughs> your skull and Gatorade and just like, no, it's just regular Gatorade. Yeah, huh? no. It's, it's the White Mountain Dew, the clear yeah. one, you know? Yeah. Remember oh. that? <laughs> Remember the clear Kool-Aid? Yes, gross. Yes, I'm not a fan of Kool-Aid. It's just I can feel the particles in my mouth. Yuck. Well, that was a good mystery. Yeah. All right. Well, the group apparently partied so hard that the hotel actually banned them from ever booking with them again. On a uh, yep, banned them. Like, like what the fuck? But like these kids were like YOLO. I'm 18 and I can drink. There's no adults here. My parents aren't here. Honestly, that was going to. How do you do? Think that was. They were literally experiencing their first. Jesus. True taste of freedom, and they soaked Everybody up every second of it. Crazy, I mean, do. wouldn't you? Yeah, wouldn't you? Can you, you imagine being eighteen? I, I exactly in I Aruba being eighteen, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Going to a trip, not only having the freedom of like graduating high school because you know you think you're cool as shit. Like, yeah, I knew that. I school. did something. I'm going yes, to college, and it's gonna be amazing. Yep, and then. And then get to go on this humongous trip to what this this, this the Caribbean the island Caribbean. of Aruba. Jesus. Come on. And Come then, on. And then. And you can legally so drink. You can legally drink, and there's only seven adults that are supposedly supposedly in charge of you. They're well, literally just checking in with you daily, making sure you're alive. Making sure that you're there in the morning and in yep. bed at night. Yep. Maybe. I, I heard from a lot of accounts that like a lot of the chaperones would be there like at breakfast at the hotel okay. and do like their check-ins there. And then they're going out day drinking. Also. Correct. I'm sure that they're living it up too. You know what I mean? Um, let's see. So Natalie and her classmates, they spent their last night in Aruba at a popular local bar called Carlos and Charlie's. It was like a huge hit with like American tourists. It was just a really big local bar. Like, um, Kind of like almost like a club, but it was mm-hmm. technically a bar. Um, yeah. Right. They drank. They danced. They were living it, living up. it up on their last night in Aruba. Yep. She was seen drinking and dancing with a 19-year-old Dutch student named uh, Joran van der Sloot. I heard in a lot of podcasts they pronounce his name Urin. <laughs> um, and I really want to pronounce it like that because I think he is a big urine piss stain. <laughs> but um, I'll go ahead and pronounce it correctly, urine. urine. Well, now it sounds yeah, like no, urine. No, yeah, and now no, I'm just going to say urine. Yeah, they had met. Yeah, they had met earlier that day, I believe. They might have met like earlier on their trip, but I am pretty sure they met earlier that day. Okay. Right? So at 1 a.m., bar closes, right? Everybody's in a rush to get out of there. They're calling cabs, getting in their car, walk in, wherever they're at. Mm-hmm. There's a frenzy of people leaving. Um, Natalie gets separated from her friends, okay? One classmate, I don't think it was one of her friends, they saw her getting into a car with three other men, three young uh, men, okay? That's just um, terrifying already. Yeah. So Natalie's friends, they wait in the hotel lobby. Um, they wait for her until about 5 a.m. Oh to see, you know, like, what's going on. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, they did have cell phones, but they didn't have service. They were in yeah. Aruba. It's yeah. 2005. I would say, yeah, 2005. Yep. International calling? Hell no. Nope. Maybe would have had a flip Yep. There ain't 5G there. No. So Natalie's phone was actually in her hotel room. So they waited. That makes sense. Yep. They waited until 5 a.m. and had to go to bed. So because they were supposed to depart that morning, you know, they were supposed to go home. 
So 10 a.m., May 30th, 2005, everyone meets in the hotel lobby in order to make it to the airport for their flight. Everyone except Natalie. Natalie's still not back. Oh uh, they checked her room. They found her cell phone, her passport, and all of her packed luggage. You know, she like packed she it the night before. Yeah. She's ready to go. Goes out. Doesn't come home. Um, there's 124 students, seven chaperones. Can't yeah. imagine the panic they're in. You know oh what I mean? God. Like, these yeah. chaperones are probably, like, my fuck one up. fucking job, yeah. <laughs> and I can't find her, you yeah. know? Um, like everyone, like yeah, That's isn't that fucking crazy? It's like most, most, chef I feel like you should have like 20. You have, yeah. should have at least one. It's usually like, you know, you think of like, oh, back like one day. per dozen. Yeah. Or something yeah, like that. Even, like, I, like I remember going on like field trips and it was like one mom for every like four or five yeah. kids. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So to have seven for a hundred, I can't do the math. Early 2000s, different time, Jesus. different time. Um, everyone ends up flying home except one chaperone stays behind. Um, his name was Paul Lilly. I'm assuming he stays in case Natalie turns up mm. or, you know, maybe slept over at somebody's house, comes back, yeah. whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, the travel agent that books this trip is the one that informs Natalie's parents of what's going what? on. Yeah. What? Yeah. She calls Beth, Natalie's mom, lets her know, hey, she missed her flight. We can't find her. All of her stuff's in her room. We're not oh sure what's God. going on. Um, as we talked about earlier, Natalie's a great kid. She's not gotten in any big trouble, so her mom immediately knows something's wrong. Right. Mother's intuition is always correct. Um, she wouldn't have just missed her flight. So immediately her mom is like, did she get kidnapped? Did she get murdered? Like, what's going on? Okay, so once Beth hears that Natalie missed her flight, um, she immediately knew something was wrong. She thought she was kidnapped. She was murdered. Yeah. She would not have just missed her flight. Like I said, she had an eight-year full-ride scholarship. Like, she was coming home. She had yeah, plans. Yeah, like, I am not going to be dipping after No, this. absolutely not. Um, so, like I said, uh, Natalie's stepdad, George Jug Twitty, he was a prominent <laughs> aunt. I know, isn't that so funny? I had to look him. I was like, is that really his nickname? Jug. George Jug Twitty. I love that. Um, he was a prominent and pretty wealthy businessman. So, they immediately chartered a private jet to Aruba. And they took, like, a couple of Natalie's family members, like her dad um, and some other people. So once they get into Ruva, they arrive about 10 p.m. on Monday, May 30th. So same day that it's oh, happening. Wow. She, they immediately oh, wow. get there. They go straight to the Holiday Inn um, where Natalie was staying. They ask around the hotel and the hotel staff, and they say they have not seen Natalie at all. Um, they head to Carlos and Charlie's because they know that was the last place that she was at. Um, they find out that Natalie was last seen with those three men. Um, I'm not sure exactly how they found out, like, what the dude looked like or whatever, but they, um, yeah, they, yeah. There's groups of people from all over the world. I'm sure it was packed, too. I'm sure it was fucking packed. There's 125 students there, so I don't know if all of them were at that bar or what, but I'm sure that they were packed. Um, so after they leave Carlos and Charlie's, they go to the police station, um, I don't know why, because they're useless, but, um, yeah, they, they don't allow her family to file a missing persons report until at least 24 hours after, because Natalie's an adult, um, they, so that would be about 1 a.m., essentially, when they could, because that was the last time Natalie was seen, so 1 a.m., so they have a couple hours left, um, the police repeatedly downplay the situation, they say that she must be, you know, sleeping off her, her drinking bin, yeah. she's on drugs somewhere, she'll turn up essentially, which mm-hmm. is no consolation to her family, who yeah. know who Natalie is, and like, know no, that's, that's not, not her. It. That's not it. That's Correct. Not it. Like, I said, number one, shut up. Number two, shut the fuck up. And number three, (laughs) do you know her? How do you know that? Like, this is a country that heavily relies on tourism, and they're dismissing a missing 18-year-old woman that was visiting the country. And they're like, ah, she's just drunk somewhere, you know? Yeah. Which, 
to play devil's advocate, yeah. could have been the case. Could have been the case easily because I know I'm sure. They I'm sure that happens a, a lot. Of drunk tourists. They, they, the police deal with all the drunk Correct. tourists. But Correct. Correct. To, to, yeah, the tourists. They're me. The I said icons with their freaking <laughs> martinis or whatever they were. What were those mojitos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the mojito buckets. Yeah. I mean, so. Like I said, devil's advocate, I can understand, but again, this is an American tourist. They rely on tourism. I feel right. like they should have taken it a little serious. more seriously, yeah. So after the um, dismissal by the police, Beth goes back to the Holiday Inn. Uh, she actually stayed in Natalie's room. She left the light on all night long in case she came back. Because, um, again, like like we said, Nat- this was not Natalie's character. She wouldn't she have just disappeared. She's yeah. not hanging out with somebody, missing her flight. Right. Whatever. Um, so after she gets back from talking with the police, she talks with the hotel staff man, or sorry, hotel's night shift manager, um, about the man that supposedly Natalie was last seen with at the bar. Uh, he tells her that the guy is not a 19 year old Dutch student. He's actually a 17 year old local Arubian resident. Um, and he is actually known for frequently, I cannot talk, words are hard. Um, he was known for frequenting the hotel and local bars looking for girls, American tourists, you right, know, stuff right. like that. Me, yep. Girls, yep. A little play a play essentially. Okay. Yep. No yep. She finds out that uh, his name is y- Urin Vandersloot. <laughs> he liked to party, hook up with American tourists. Uh, his two sidekicks were uh, the Calpo brothers, Deepak and Satish. Mm-hmm. I believe Deepak was 21 and Satish was 18. Mm-hmm. So Urin Yoran yeah, is the right youngest. Here. He's 17. Um, I feel like Beth is badass. Like, she is a badass mama bear. She actually paid someone in order to get uh, Yoran's address. Oh, my Yeah, gosh. she paid for his wow. address. She was legit like, I'm coming like for you, fucker. Sick, sick. This is literally taken. And yep. Mom's Straight up. Yes. Yes. She was not playing around. She was not playing around. At this point, it had been 24 hours, so Beth goes back to the police, and they escorted her to the Vandersloot home. Okay? They get there about 2 a.m., right? Um, They're greeted by his father, Paulus Vandersloot. Um, He is a high-ranking attorney for the Arubian government. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know where this is going. He allowed his son to drink and gamble, regardless of not being 18. Um, He was actually known around town. They were... they were known to let him go ahead and do this because because of his daddy's influence. Wow. 100%, 100%. So Paulus calls them, um, tells them he needs to come home. Okay? So uh, Yoran arrives home with the Calpo brothers. They were all three at a casino gambling. Mm -hmm. Okay? All three of them admit that they were with Natalie that night. Okay? So they don't deny that. They were like, yeah, absolutely. We were at the bar hanging out, whatever. Um, They say that Natalie was extremely drunk um, and had actually been dancing on tables, Although her friends say that she had only had a couple cocktails and that, in their opinion, she wasn't drunk. Um, And it seemed like Natalie was kind of turning down uh, Euron's, like, flirting attempts, essentially. Mm, Like, he was trying to flirt and she was just kind of like, ah, like, downplaying it. Nice. You know how you are at the bar when Mm -hmm. some guy's talking too much. As a girl does. Absolutely. As one does. Absolutely. I'm going to buy you a drink. Yep. Yep. Now you're obligated to talk to me. No. psych? No. Um, so they tell Beth and the police that they left the bar about 1 a.m. Um, they said that Natalie wanted to go shark watching on her last night there, even though she was extremely drunk. Why would you? Um, yeah. yeah. Yep. That so checks. they checks. went shark watching apparently at the California Lighthouse near the Arashi Beach, which is like at like the northwest corner or something of the island. Um, they tell them after they went shark watching 
they took Natalie back to the hotel. Euron was in the back seat with her. They kept saying how drunk she was. They say Natalie falls while getting out of the vehicle. Um, she's stumbling, but she refuses their help. She refuses any help from them. So they start to drive away, and uh, Euron says that he sees a, sec- a security guard helping Natalie inside the hotel as they're driving away. Yeah. The, poli- the police believe this story, okay. um, and they leave yeah, the van. Like, why wouldn't they? Why, yeah. why, why, why yeah. shouldn't they? Yeah, they were like, yeah, we dropped her off at the hotel. No problem. Like, yeah. absolutely. Um, they leave the Vandersloot residence, uh, and Yoran actually says that he'll go back to the hotel with them and point out the security guard that helped Natalie in. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So they go back to the hotel, right? Um, he was not able to identify the security guard. Oh, Couldn't find him. Uh, Couldn't yeah. find him. For you know, he day. must not be on shift tonight. So I don't weird. know. Weird. I don't know. It's super weird. Um, so on June 1st, 2005, the first local search team is organized. It's a group of 100 tourists and locals. They start to comb the area looking for any trace of her. Police are not involved in this search. This is just locals wow. organized. Yep. Um, and mom and dad and like family members, yep. they're still there, of course. Yep. Beth's there. a badass bitch. She was wasting no time. She was searching, and all these tourists and Arubian residents were helping as well. Um, Eventually, the police did get involved with the search, as well as a volunteer team from Texas, uh, Dutch Marines, and three F-16 fighter planes who used infrared sensors to try to find any trace of her. Um, Obviously, nothing came up of that, and eventually the police do step in. But before we talk about the police investigation, I think we should take a little cheese break. Cheese break. Cheese break. All right, all right, all right, cheese break with the Netherlands. So, again, like I said, we're back with our Gouda. Um, And so, Gouda, if you guys didn't catch our first episode, uh, Gouda is actually from the Netherlands. Um, It is from, ideally, mostly traded in Gouda, South Holland. So, it is a Dutch cheese. It is creamy, has a very light nut flavor to it. It's made from cow's milk. And uh, one thing I thought was very interesting, so our last episode with the Gouda, we talked about how um, there's like this giant cheese market and how farmers from airing, airing neighborhoods, towns, I always want to say neighborhood. Neighboring areas. Neighbor, thank you. I'm yeah. flip-flopping no. my words. Neighboring areas uh, would go to this market and the farmers were called the Guild of Cheese Porters, which we thought was like really, really cool, and how they wear different colored hats. So patrons who go to buy the cheese know who to look for um, based off the color of the farmer's hat. So that was kind of cool. So it kind of was like telltale of like what kind of cheese they were selling based off like, oh, I'm wearing a red hat or this guy's wearing a yellow hat. So that was really cool. Um, But one thing that we didn't really touch base on was that even though it was the farmers, there was the men who brought to sell the cheese, traditionally, ideally in Dutch culture, it was the women who made the cheese. Oh, so it's the women who are making the cheese they're and the, the men, they're going to sell it. Stop and <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Gaining all this money, my Honestly. cheese money. Honestly. Yeah. And uh, it was like, it was like a big thing where, you know, the women would make the cheese and it was like this traditional in the household that they would then, of course, teach their daughters how to make the cheese. And then they would pass down these cheese recipes through the female line through generations. So if you marry the right girl, you might be getting a bomb you ass be cheese. Literally wealthy as fuck. Yeah, cheese. cheese. You are oh, drowning in cheese. cheese. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. So I, you know, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and also, like, Gouda is, I didn't even know this either, Gouda is not, like, a protected name, which I didn't even think, you know, 
things could, like, I don't know, you think of protected name, I think, you know, trademark. Yeah, <laughs> like a trademark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it do we is not. Like, trademark our name now? Before? I have no idea. We're not a protected Nobody steal a Gouda murder. Okay? Yeah. Because I will <laughs> find you. Find you. And you'll be in our next you. episode. Yeah, Liam Neeson will join us. <laughs> it's not a protected name therefore it can also be it's also used as a classification of cheese so it's not necessarily just the cheese itself but how other cheeses like a subcategory yes exactly mm-hmm. are made can be considered mm-hmm. a gouda which was really cool um, cheese artisans in the Netherlands artisans the really fancy guys that get into it mm-hmm. uh, they, they can make pinkies out right yeah they make the pinkies out pinkies out with the gouda with the gouda um, they decide sometimes they can either make gouda with raw milk as well as pasteurized milk which changes the types of overall taste and texture of the cheese which is really interesting and if they really want to jazz it up uh they'll add in you know sometimes herbs seasonings or even blended nuts mm. into the mixture prior to processing and molding and all Add this other stuff. protein in there. Yeah, so you get even more of that nutty, natural flavor, which Gouda already already has. That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so nutty. It's so good. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's a beautiful one. TM. Trademarking yeah, that. TM, yeah, TM. Protected. <laughs> uh, and it's also, Gouda is actually also commonly used to enrich, enrich soups and mm. types of sauces. Make so it like nice and creamy. Thick, and, creamy, uh, thicken up. I mean, it, it could go on. Like, why why wouldn't you want to put cheese in something? Honestly, you, especially you want to You want to make this chili better? Put cheese on yeah. it. You want to make this soup better? Put cheese in it. I work no at a restaurant where I literally grate cheese for a living, and I can tell you that there's no such thing as enough cheese. Yeah, say when. I'll never. Yeah. Say when, don't threaten me with a good time, I'll go get another fucking block. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh and, my god. Oh my god. So, so today we are going to be pairing this cheese with a type of wine. And so a little bit, what we have today is a Riesling, which is more of the fruitier wines um, that can be paired with a Gouda. And actually I found this interesting, it's like um, different aged Goudas. So there's young, there's mature, there's also um, well-aged Gouda. So with the well-aged Gouda, so all these basically, of course, they are based off how long after the cheese is made. They slap the rind on it, and then basically they just let it sit. So this is the aging process. So a young Gouda typically would be around the age of, you know, aging process from anywhere to four to ten weeks. So young Goudas, four, four to ten weeks age time, are typically said to be best paired with beer. Which is oh, cool. Okay. 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 So beer. I like beer. Yeah. Well, who doesn't love beer? Uh, beer, yeah. cheese, cheese, and beer. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, <laughs> there is also medium gouda, which again, aging process anywhere can be from 12, 16, 8 weeks. Um, are typically said pair well with fruity Rieslings, other sorts of like fruitier white wines. So today we have the Riesling, mm. so which we're going to check that out. And then we go into well-aged or mature Gouda, which is aged from anywhere that could be from like 7 to like 19 months. Like a oh really, gosh. really hard, stiff-aged mm. cheese. But like they obviously like preserve it and shit. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. No, no, no. It, it's yeah. like everything, everything is during the process, they, you know... They basically encapsulate it with rind, which is like a waxy, which yeah. keeps everything from the outside once the cheese is made, keeps it from getting in. So it's not, I mean, of course, like as you're aging, cheese 
certain cheeses, like you know, like mold. Like the mold, like stuff, that you're yeah. su- they're supposed to have mold. There's there, there are bacteria. There is the process of the cheese where yeah. you know some some Teeth bacteria. Yeah, some bacteria is good bacteria. Some mold is good mold. Um, but in this no case, mold is good mold. <laughs> let's just, <say laughs> just add that. What's that tiny flavor into this yeah. bread, mom? Like, yeah. oh, it's just gone bad. What is this bluish hue? Blue cheese. Hello. I use, I use food coloring. What? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so for like it. those well-aged, matured goudas, it's suggested to then pair them with like a rich merlot or you know another darker, maybe drier red. Yeah. Like a Merlot or like a Chianti. Yes, 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 exactly, exactly. And so anyway, for today, like I said, we have the Riesling. Um, I just picked one that looks delicious. It is a Saint Chateau Michel Riesling, Columbia Valley. Um, We're going to check it out. We're going to check it out. So everybody, everybody, get your cheese, get your cheese. Pinkies out. Pinkies out with the wine. Your cheese are going to clink, Yes. There you Clink. go. Lovely, lovely. Okay. Oh, I took a bite of the cheese first. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it pairs well with the Gouda. Think about like the smoky. Because we all, I got another smoked Gouda because, you know, why not? Oh. And it's good. Oh. Oh. Keely's not a fan. Keely's not a Riesling fan, we've learned today. Well, the Riesling we had last week, she said, was good, but this is a different brand. This and is she a different brand. Like so, oh my gosh. Yeah, some Riesling. So the last Riesling we had last week. <laughs> Uh, or a couple weeks ago, I should say, uh, was which was was much sweeter. It was a, definitely a sweeter reason. I think it's because of the brand. Bite, it, and there's yeah. a screw top. This is a cork wine, so oh. if you can tell, I don't know them screw tops. We had to bust the wine key out for that. There you go. And so today, I like it. I like it. The uh, I like this taste because okay, you get the creamy texture flavor of the gouda and then you drink the wine and that wine has more of like a little bit more of a bite which mm-hmm. actually i think changes the taste of the cheese mm-hmm. yeah it does it gives the cheese i think a more you i feel like i'm it just eating it. it it emboldens it it emboldens it I, f- I taste more of the nut flavor of the cheese while i'm drinking the wine with it if that makes sense it like yeah. the cheese yeah. tastes nuttier nut nut cheese Nuts. Yeah, disgusting. disgusting. By the way, this is a um, eighteen plus podcast, so um, get out of here if you don't want to talk about nuts. Nuts, fuck shit, nuttiness, all the things. Mature, mature. Yeah, a medium gouda, but not so uh, medium gouda language. No, you know, it's not uh, rated E for everyone. (laughs) I mean, it could be. I don't know what you're like. I don't know. My kids like all things morbid and stuff like that. So. And I cuss like a sailor around them, so yeah, right, whatever. Right, right. Um, but to each their own. To each their so, own, and uh, yeah. I like this riesling with the gouda. I, I do really like that. I really like it. So I liked. Can... I liked the cheese taste after. Um, this wine though is something else. <laughs> she was having a hard time, having <laughs> a hard. I'm not moment. trying to be a negative Trouble Nancy, bus. but man, I, I'm not for it. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. She I like. Is. I like the well-rounded. We can't all be yes ladies. No, you can be a no not. lady. You can be a no man. You nope. can be a no man. And we can't say that you don't like Riesling because you did like it. You just didn't like it. But it was a different brand. It's a different brand. So yeah, well, maybe yeah. next time. What you, brought. you said you had it at home? I do not. Oh, well, shit. That We're bitch is gone. Rude. Sorry, guys. We'll so sorry. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll have Riesling other pairings. We'll figure it out. We'll it's figure it fine. Out. We'll make it back to Gouda eventually. Uh, <laughs> circling back. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's what we're going to be snacking and sipping on as Danielle continues on. 
with the Holloway. Ooh, Ooh. the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. Hey-o. All right, guys. Now that we had our little cheese break and we're feeling refreshed and rejuvenated, we, yes, with that Riesling, um, we are going to go ahead and, yeah, Keely does not like that. <laughs> She's going to be a new... You can, you can say it louder. I mean, no yeah, let them know. Say it with your chest. Yeah, say it's it with... gross. <laughs> say it with your big girl voice. No, it's gross. gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are going to go ahead and talk about when the police finally step in, okay? Um, side yeah, note. Were, oh, sorry, you were saying, like, yeah, everybody, it's been There was local, that big search party. And that was, police had nothing to do with it, didn't nope. give a shit. Like, no. Nope. They were just like, nothing. Nope, okay. not at all. They were like, eh. Solid. Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> um, so, side note, I am going to talk about people being arrested. Um, I want to let you know that under Dutch law, a suspect can be held for up to 116 days without what? being charged. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, so they can hold them for up to 116 days um, without any charges being filed if oh a judge goodness. decides that the police have good reason. Do so, you? yeah, you'll hear me talk about people being arrested. It's not that they're being charged. They're basically being arrested for, like, questioning, yeah, like what we would do detained. in America. Right. Correct. Yep, they are questioned by the police. You so, ain't going nowhere. Yep. So on June 4th, 2005, uh, Beth, Natalie's mom, she sees the hotel security footage. Um, and guess what it shows? shows that Natalie never comes back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Okay? They look at all the footage from security all angles. Yep. There's no footage of her coming home. So the police see the footage, and they end up arresting two security guards from a nearby hotel that was closed for renovation. Why? Um, there was a lot of racial disparities in Aruba, and I feel that the fingers were kind of pointed at them stereotypically. Oh. Um, Aruba was actually colonized by the Netherlands in 1636, so okay. the racial disparities just kind of just... It's kind of like in America, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Slavery's Thick. over, but we still have... Oh, no, no, yep, 100%. Yep, so that's why I feel that they were arrested. They, um, they were arrested on suspicion of kidnapping and murder, even mm-hmm. though the footage from the hotel clearly shows that Natalie was not dropped off and that they would have no access to her if she was dropped off. Um, They were released eight days later. Obviously, the police didn't have a lot to hold them on because, again, footage shows she was not there. Yeah. Um, June 9th, 2005. I'm going to go over, like, a timeline of this just because there's so much information. I'm just kind of go down the timeline, tell you what was going on. So June 9th, uh, Euron and the Calpo brothers, so Satish and Deepak, they're arrested for police questioning. They issue search warrants for their homes and the green Honda that Natalie was last seen in leaving Carlos and Charlie's, which, which I believe was Deepak's I was car. Like, which was one of the brothers' cars. Yep, it was oh, Deepak's okay. car. Um, yep, they apparently Deepak took really good care of his car, cleaned it out once a week. So mm-hmm. at this point, it had been 10 days since Natalie went missing and the car had been cleaned. Oh, so there's sus. no evidence in the car. Sus. Yeah. Um, Yoran's clothes had already been washed, of course. Um, and he told police that he actually lost his shoes that he was wearing that night, oh, so he couldn't turn those over. Oh, I know, super weird, Where'd right? You, Where'd your lawyer, shoes go that you wore twenty four hours ago? You don't, you don't know where your fucking shoes. Where the fuck are your shoes? Yeah. So the police start questioning them, and all three change their story. Oh. Which is super weird. Not suspicious at all. You know. Don't be suspicious. Yeah. Don't, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Yeah, so he loses his shoes, whatever, whatever. So the Calpo brothers say that um, they did not drop Natalie off at the hotel. They say that they dropped uh, Euron and Natalie off at a beach, which was less than a mile from her hotel. Mm. Um, And then they went home. 
That's what the brothers say. We just dumped her at the beach. Essentially, they say, oh, you know, Euron and Natalie wanted to hang out, so we went ahead and dropped him off at the beach, and we just went home. Uh So Euron says that, yes, the Calpo brothers did drop him and Natalie off at the beach, um, and then they left. Euron tells police that him and Natalie took, uh, you know, a romantic walk down the beach, Mm -hmm. just spent time together. Mm -hmm. Um, He said that they made out, and that's all. Remember, the three men, correct, the three men say she's hammered, drunk. But you're taking a romantic walk down the beach with Sounds her. Sounds legit. Right. Yeah, yeah. Super you're normal. stumbling. You let's walk on sand. Yeah, I'll go ahead and carry you in the sand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's pretty romantic. Yeah. Though. I mean, that, I mean, I don't know. Yep. No, no, so Euron even, Euron even brings up how drunk she was, and he says that she passes out on the beach. Okay? Mm-hmm. What does he do? Or after he makes out with her. After. <laughs> after, he says. He <laughs> says after. Um, she passes so, out. I thought um, she wanted just to make correct. out. Correct. I thought she was tired. She just went to bed. So what does he do once she falls asleep? He went ahead and left her there alone. Oh, yeah. Um, he says that he goes ahead and calls the Calpo brothers and that they pick him up around 3 a.m. Mm. The Calpo brothers claim they never returned to the beach to pick him up. Ooh. Oh. The search warrant turned out uh, some timestamp messages from Deepak's computer around 3 a.m. Yeah. stating that he was home. So that kind of proved him out that he, he had was, not left, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, once again, Euron changes his story. He says, well, Deepak didn't come pick me up. It was Satish. He picked me up. Uh, Satish denies it. He says oh, he was asleep. Satish, and like, sh- right, sh- it's, nope. It's Deepak's car, so I'm assuming Satish didn't sneak out and right. steal his car. I mean, he could have, but he's a brother. You know, um, when questioned on why they lied, the brothers say that they knew Euron had done something wrong, mm-hmm. and so they were lying for him. Um, again, I think Daddy's money goes a long way. Oh, yeah. They uh, Satish was 18, Deepak was 21. They were hanging out with someone whose family had strong ties to the higher ups. Money, money, money. If they didn't lie for him, they would lose the lifestyle that they were living, you know? Yeah. So 100% I think they lied. Um, since Yoran had stated that they walked on the beach together, police actually questioned some fishermen that were in the area early that morning. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a fisherman that state they stated that they had never seen a couple walking on the beach in the early morning hours of May 30th. Wow. Um, you know what Yoran's bitch-ass response was? Bitch-ass response. They're lying. What? Everybody's lying but Euron, just to let you guys know. Urine. Just to let you guys know. Urine piss stain is <laughs> He, yeah. Piss, piss, piss. Um, <laughs> so the Calpo's brothers, they were able to convince the police of their innocence, and they were actually released on July 4th. Um, Euron actually remained behind bars at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, then, June 22nd, Euron's father, Paulus, gets arrested mm-hmm. by police. Ooh. Yep, he is released three days later, but I it's speculated that the reason he was arrested uh, was because it's been said that he told his son, no body, no case. <gasps> yep. So he's a lawyer, but still, that's pretty shady as fuck, I think, yeah. in my opinion. Especially if your son was seen with a woman who has now disappeared. No he was right. the last one no to be bo- seen. No body, no case. Yeah, no, no. No body, like, no case. Yep. Wow. 100%. Shady. Oh, so July 26, 2005, police get a tip from a gardener who claims to have seen Euron and the Calpo brothers digging next to the Marriott Hotel, which was right down from the uh, Holiday oh, Inn, which would be right off the beach that they were on. Yeah. Right? What are you digging, dude? Um, digging yep. Yep, that? exactly. Police decide to sand go castles. ahead and drain sand the castles. pond. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what are you fucking castles. doing that early next to that hotel? She's not even supposed to be at that hotel. Um, so the police then decide to drain the pond across from the hotel. I don't know why. Why would you? Okay. They find nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Don't know. Don't know why the fuck that that was even. Like, they're digging. Let's go ahead and drain the pond. <laughs> All right. Cool. I know. Holes. 
Um, so September 3rd, Euron is finally released under the condition that he and the Calpo brothers remain uh, available to the police during the investigation. Okay? Right. During this time, around. yep, media coverage is going insane um, because she's a um, American woman who went missing on a Caribbean island. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, um, right. Beth actually does up to 12 interviews a day. Wow. Oh my God. A day trying to get any information she can, trying to get her information out there, seeing if anybody knows anything. Okay. Right. Um, she calls the Calpo brothers criminals because they lied. Right. If yeah. They admitted they lied for him. Um, and she says that Aruba is dangerous. She even goes on Dr. Phil and tells Americans that they should boycott travel to Aruba. Oh, wow. This upset locals who had helped in the search, who felt like their search efforts were not appreciated because of this. It's like, no, we're trying to find your daughter. It's like, it's not, it's not, it's not the people. It's these It's like the government. It's the police. It's whatever. Um, the whole, the... Aruba, like I said, had they're very reliant on tourism for right. their like financials. Yeah. You know, they're a Caribbean island. Um, they have an international university there. They have a lot of travel there. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So they actually turned on Natalie's family, and they basically say that they overstayed their welcome, and they're like no longer helping. Uh, the locals are no longer helping because they like, just yeah. feel backstabbed by yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. But like, again, you shat on the people that were helping you, like the yeah. locals who were helped, not their, not the police. Yeah, the locals out yeah. of their own kindness and concern helped yeah. you try to find your daughter. And they just felt betrayed. And then she just goes yeah. on, Doctor Doctor Phil, because that's oh solid. Phil, honestly, and just says all these nasty things. Like, I mean, okay, yes, you're a mother. You're upset. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, you're going to be a little, you know, pissed off. Pissed and off. A little maybe like a pre- prejudice now because this happened to your daughter, and this is where it happened. So, mm-hmm. of course, you're like, Ugh, don't want anything to do with it. But like, also. It's I not know. just Aruba. It's, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. It's really any international travel. Yeah. 2005, everybody's naive. Everybody's just there right. to have a good time, not worrying about anything. 2005, and that's not even that long ago. I know. Well, it's 10, 17 years ago. Yeah. Right. That was nine. Like that's it's not... almost two decades ago, though. That's crazy. Whole I different just... world. So, yeah. So, they basically are like, you overstayed your welcome. Fuck you. We're not helping you anymore. Um, but the media coverage that Beth did, it actually did help bring forward four women. One of those women was a 12-year-old girl. So yeah. I guess three women and a child. Yeah. Um, they all say that Yoron sexually assaulted them. A couple of them was while they were drunk. So mm-hmm. these people are coming forward basically stating, yeah, he's a scum. Yeah. And this is what he does, essentially. Yeah. Um, please don't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Again. Whatever, whatever. So fall of 2005, Yoron go ahead, goes ahead and moves on with his life. He goes to the Netherlands uh, for school. Moves back to the Netherlands for school, you know? So um, Beth stays in Aruba for three more months, um, and after months of dead-end leads and no trace of Natalie, she eventually has to return home to the United States, back to Alabama. Yeah. Okay? You know, you can't... She's probably expended all of her resources. Um, I know that this was a very trying time for her and her husband, Jug. Eventually, they did divorce. Oh, actually. Not at this time, but they did divorce. Probably a lot of this came from... The stress of this, well, like I can only imagine. Like, seriously, if you're already having, who knows, like you know, um, yeah. issues, whatever. Yeah, you, yeah. you never it. know. Trifles. He says it was because there was like irreconcilable differences or something. Okay. Like yeah. their temperaments yeah. were something. Yeah, I don't and remember. then to have this happen, you're one of your daughter. Your daughter yeah. goes missing. Then, uh, yeah, that is a huge wrench. 
just thrown into that mechanism yeah. and just fucks everything up. Because I'm pretty sure Beth spent literally 110% on her time Oh yeah, trying to find her daughter. Which, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? Right. Every absolutely. single parent probably would go to hell and back to try and find their kid. Especially if she's missing in a whole different country. Yeah. Right. <sighs> okay. So, even from the U.S., Beth fights desperately to find Natalie. Um, in February 2006, Euron and Paulus Vandersloot, so him and his dad, they're actually served with civil lawsuits in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, Euron is accused of malicious, wanton, and willful disregard of the rights, safety, and well-being of Natalie Holloway. Mm-hmm. And Paulus is accused of enabling his son's predatory behavior. Wow. Like I said, no body, no case. Yeah. Right, that's cute. Yeah. You can't yeah. prove it. Correct. She ain't there to prove yep. it. That's cute. That's so that's I know, isn't that so great? That's Such a great role model. Gouda, right? Yeah, that's, that's not good. Not good at all. <laughs> so six months later, August third, two thousand six, the suit gets dismissed. Um, the judge basically determines that it would cost the taxpayers way too much money on a circumstantial case, right. essentially. Wow. Yeah. Um, again, no body, no case. Yeah, She's still fish. missing. Um, Euron then takes to the media as well, and he tells his side of the story to Fox News, which actually aired it over three nights. Oh, my God. So he got extensive media coverage. He claims he's innocent, and he's only guilty of leaving her asleep on the beach, essentially. You know, mm-hmm. just downplays it. We made out. She fell asleep. I left her on the beach. That's all he says. Right. So in 2006, uh, December, probably mid-December 2006, Natalie's family files another suit. It's a wrongful death suit against the Calpo brothers. Uh, but once again, the case is dismissed due to lack of jurisdiction in June 2007. Wow. So just constant roadblocks, constant dead ends. Like, they're just not getting any justice. Right. Um, actually, three years go by, and there's absolutely no movement on this case. Wow. No movement. Um, she just fucking disappears. She just is literally gone. disappeared, gone. Um, I think police dropped the ball. Like I said, there's literally no physical evidence I think contamination of evidence, like all the students left, there's no witness accounts, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they dropped the ball on this case because they treated it as, oh, just some drunk tourist. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, three years go by, nothing. Um, and I understand how that is because I'm seeking justice for my son. And I know how frustrating it is not knowing, you know, it's an ongoing investigation, so I'm sure Beth wasn't getting all of the information that mm-hmm. she wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine how uh, frustrating that was for them. So in 2008, Yoran speaks with a Dutch reporter who was wearing a hidden camera at the time. He tells the reporter that after he and Natalie had sex on the beach, so he changes it now from making out to sex. They had sex. Again, like I said, she's completely drunk, remember? She's trash, dancing Uh on tables. They went ahead and had sex on the beach, okay? Um, He says she starts convulsing like she was having a seizure, essentially. Um, apparently she dies, and instead of rendering aid or calling police, helping her in any way, he goes ahead and calls a buddy, not the Calpo brothers, calls a buddy who, uh, helped him dispose of her remains at sea. Oh my god. Side note, this buddy of his actually comes forward later on and confirmed that he did, in fact, help dispose of her body at sea. This man was shady, though, and he actually was killed by a girlfriend of his a couple <laughs> years later because oh he, was, he was trying to kidnap her, and she killed him in self-defense. Oh, wow. wow. So I'm assuming this is probably why it didn't go very far, but um, once confronted with the fact that he was caught on hidden camera right. saying these things, um, he has some excuse about how, oh, I was just high, and I was just telling the reporter what he wanted to hear. Essentially. Or you oh. thought it would be cool. And yep. like, so in your stupid, sick yep. mind. Oh, I got away with it. Oh, yeah, yeah we had sex. And like, yeah. who gives a fuck yeah. what you did? Yeah. I, oh, I thought you went shark watching and dropped her off. Oh, I yeah. thought you made out and left yeah. her on the beach. Oh, now you had yeah. sex and she died? Yeah. 
What is it, dude? What is Constant it? changing stories with urine. Mm. With urine piss stain. Yeah, urine um, But even with this friend confirming the story, urine faces no legal repercussions and continues to live freely after this wow. point. Like, how many stories can you fucking tell without any repercussions? Yeah. Like, that's what, what pisses me off. Wait, he can't, like, he can't go to jail for, um, what is it, like, is it defamation of, uh... Defamation of character? Character? Like, or? slander? Or I don't think so. Well, there's no body. Your case or whatever. There's no body. She's presumed missing at this point. I mean, it's only 2008, so she's still presumed missing. She's not yeah. presumed dead. She's missing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But even after that, when he, he when he admits admits oh. that she fucking died and like you know oh and yeah. then disposes of her like this, why? How does he not face any legal repercussions? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How? Does because that... there's no physical evidence. There's no DNA evidence. There's literally, like, you'll hear if you look into this case, there's, like, they found, like, hair attached to duct tape, and they were really confident that it could be Natalie's. It wasn't. Mm. There was one of the sonars, like, came up with, like, a human skull, what looked like a human skull, but when they dug it up, there was nothing. It was nothing. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's literally no physical evidence in this case. So I think that is probably the number one reason why he was able to just run his fucking mouth and get away with it. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, oh, you know. Because he was 17 at the time. Right. Um, and so his dad's a big, high-ranking attorney. Like, nobody wants to fuck with him. He's just like, nope, pass. Nope. And, I I mean, his dad, they they were originally Dutch residents. And, like I said, Dutch, or uh, the Netherlands colonized Aruba. So there was a lot of racial disparities. His dad was a white, wealthy man. and Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So I, I do want to, co- like, clarify, like I said earlier, I'm not covering every single tip or every single detail because it would literally take forever because right. there's so... There's right. countless tips that sound promising and should definitely be investigated further, but police, I guess, don't feel like they are as promising as they sound. Um, they label them as dead ends and just go on about their day, essentially. Yeah. One lead over the span of the case I found pretty interesting was that on the night of Natalie's disappearance, a witness told police that he actually saw two men, one older and one younger, on the beach and that the younger man was missing a shoe. Mm. I'm not sure if the witness identified Paulus and Yoran as the two men he saw that night, but it does match their description. Um, and Yoran uh, does claim that he left Natalie on the beach. And remember, he didn't turn his shoes over to police. Yeah, I lost my shoes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that witness says the dude was only wearing one shoe. So what happened to that shoe? It was a struggle. What the fuck happened to those shoes? There's Again, nothing struggle. comes of it. Lead is a dead end. Mm. Nothing happens. Just like the tip of the man digging and draining the bond. Nothing. Um, March 2010, in Euron's boldest move yet, I think, mm. he goes ahead and he emails Beth's attorney. Oh. And he says that he's going to go ahead and reveal what really happened to Natalie and where her remains are if she gives him $250,000. What? what? How, is that uh, even not, how is that not criminal? So, Seriously. yep. I believe the FBI was already involved at this point, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so her attorney forwards it to the FBI. Um... Through wire transfer, Euron does receive $10,000, and he says that his father, Paulus, buried Natalie in the foundation of their house. I, He gets another $15,000. I'm not sure if they do dig up the foundation. I'm not sure what comes of that. I'm pretty sure if they did, they found nothing. Right. Um, eventually, Euron says, I'm lying. I'm just kidding. What the um, fuck? And he flees to Peru for a poker tournament with $25,000 from Beth. Oh, my gosh. Hun- yep. 
Yep. Oh um, he's literally been gambling since before he was an adult, so it seems like his addiction was just getting worse and worse. Right, yeah. Right. Um, but I'm also wondering, like, before, you know, you're, Daddy you're paid for bluffer. all the gambling. You're not your shitty bluffer. Buddy, yeah, apparently. actually, yeah. <laughs> I mean, before, Dad was paying for all his gambling and his partying and shit, so, it would, like, did Daddy's money wear out, and now he's got to extort money out of mm-hmm. the family t- of the woman t- he murdered? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Seriously. Like, it's just, like, it's just crazy to me. Um, so... We are coming to the end of our our episode here. I know that I'm kind of leaving you on yeah. on uh, well, yeah, well, it's like it's a hinge, yeah, because it never was solved in the first place. Yep. So, Euron goes to Peru with the twenty five thousand dollars. Okay, he goes to a poker tournament. He goes to a poker tournament and he meets a young woman named Stephanie Flores, who apparently had won a lot of money in the tournament. Ooh. Okay, May thirtieth, two thousand ten, exactly five days to the date. Mm-hmm. Or exactly five years to the day yep. of Natalie's disappearance. Euron invites Stephanie to his hotel room. He murders her, steals her money, and flees to Chile. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Stephanie's body is discovered in his hotel room a few days later, and a manhunt ensues for the already infamous Euron Vandersloot. Jesus Christ. Yep. He's arrested in Chile, and he says, oh, I had a mental break due to the psychological stress from being a suspect in Natalie's disappearance. Oh, my God. I just, just had a break. Just and just got extremely violent and murdered her. Broke. Oh my yep. gosh. Yep. <laughs> he claims that Stephanie had used his computer while he, she was in his hotel room and mm. found incriminating evidence that tied him to Natalie's disappearance. Wow. So he had to kill her. That's what he says. Um, and in my opinion and experience, most adults, uh, or sorry, most addicts will do anything. Oh yeah. For the next fix. Yep. Anything. In Euron's case, he was addicted to gambling, and this woman had just won big bucks at a poker tournament. Oh, yeah. I think he killed her for her money, and because he's a sick fuck, um, I don't think it was because she found anything on her computer. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that was the Mm-mm. case. That was just another lie from him. So on January 12, 2012, Natalie is officially declared dead at the request of her father. Uh, her mother did not want to declare her dead, obviously, probably because she was still hoping to find yeah, her. Right. Um, so they would go ahead and declare her dead. The next day, January 13th, Euron pleads guilty to murdering Stephanie Flores and is sentenced to 28 years in prison. Wow. Okay? Okay. So after his release, he will be extradited to the U.S. Uh, for prosecution for wire fraud and extortion for the $25,000 that he took from Natalie's family. Mm-hmm. So he will face charges for that. Um, but this case is unsolved, so we don't really know what happened to her or where she is. Her family desperately wants to know. They want to put her at rest. So disgusting. Um, and 28 years is a long time. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they could definitely figure this out in the 28 years that he's there and maybe go ahead and charge him for her murder when he does get out, you know? Right, right. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. But I wanted to tell you that Beth is still searching for answers, her mother. After Natalie's disappearance, Beth founded a nonprofit organization called the International Safe Travels Foundation. Mm-hmm. She travels to high schools around the country to warn students about the dangers of international travel and how to protect yourself. That's so, sweet. That's so she's still fighting for justice and she's helping other people along the way. That's so sad though. Like that's uh, that's so inspiring. It's heartbreaking. That she's like she's now doing this as like, yeah, this is what happened to my life. And yeah. she has to go to school, to mm-hmm. school, to whatever. And go over it every single every time. Every single time. Just relive it. That's rough. Isn't that? That's... Like, what do yes. you guys think? Oh, my God. What do you think? Do you think your insane piss stain did it? Piss boy killed her. Yeah, 100%. Piss boy killed her. Probably, yeah, probably did dispose of her body out to sea because it's fucking ocean. Uh, 
Currents and sharks. The shark, he, the shark watching was something he mentioned first, so maybe yeah. he like slipped up a little bit. Okay, so on the shark watching thing, right? Mm-hmm. So this lighthouse um, and the beach that they were at to watch, to like you know mm-hmm. shark watch or whatever, yeah. it's um, actually known as a dumping ground that people would go to and dump shit into the sea. Oh yeah, and the sharks would just eat she's it up or whatever. She's there. So I, I really feel that she's lost at sea. Yeah. That she's... It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it just feels like a body is dumped. It does not guarantee that because that, there's so many waves, the current, fucking sharks, other fish. Boats. That boats. could, yep. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much movement in that body of water mm-hmm. for a body to... And it's the Caribbean Sea, too. Yeah, and for a body to luckily float up to shore or be seen, that's like, like what, one in a mm-hmm. however many? Like, mm-hmm. not right. a really high It's not like the Mississippi chance. River where there's a high chance of it to, like, Go up on the yeah, side, yeah, or you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. Even Mississippi, like uh, that that bitch moves. Yeah, yeah. That, that current yes. isn't in the Mississippi is really fucking fast. Midwest life, Mississippi. Hey, hey. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I I really think that uh, Euron killed her, dumped her at sea, and that Paulus helped him cover it up. His yeah. dad, yeah, with yeah. his money and his influence as a. Sorry, yeah. Paulus, don't come after me. But um, yeah. Right. Vander Sloots. And that fucking sucks, too. Not you good. just imagine, like, though, like, you, you know, you, you said, like, you thought, like, the police had slipped up, but, like, you know, how... It, it just sucks because that is the justice system. That is, like, mm-hmm. you know, really, as much as you want, even if you're in the police or wherever, you go over law enforcement you're a part of, you have to go by the book. You have yep. to. You have mm-hmm. to have... You Devil's know, advocate. You There's have technically have, like, no warrant. evidence. You have to have probable cause. You have to have all these things... In order to do the next thing. And sometimes yeah. to get the first thing takes fucking forever. Yep. It's paperwork. It's it's whatever. It's not like I immediately go, go, go. And, and you know, that fucking sucks. That fucking sucks. And it's just sad over, overall. And not not to say that they didn't slip up. But also, like, they have to they have to do the rules. Yeah. They are, yeah. They are the rules. And also the money rules. talks. So if yeah. his dad was a very wealthy and prominent attorney for the government, I mean... True. Money talks. And I also am like, they got search warrants for their houses, for the vehicles, for the computers. Like, where are the search warrants for the cell phones then? Yeah. Because, like, he obviously didn't get picked up by the Calpo brothers, so who did it? He apparently was spotted with an older man on the beach. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I feel like he killed her, he called his dad, he helped cover it up. That's that. That's how I feel. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I think, I think that's, yep. So the FBI does have her listening as a missing person, so if you have any information, you can go to their website and send in tips and all that stuff. It is an active case. It is still unsolved. It is an unsolved case. Nobody, no case. Sounds like a wrap. (sighs) That is a wrap on the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. Thank you guys so much for enduring that with me. That was a Gouda story. Was that a Gouda one? I mean, it's a terrible one, but it is a Gouda one. That was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was bad. very good. That was smooth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, like make sure you guys today. come back next week with your Swiss misses and uh, listen to our next episode. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.